Georgie? The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to Direct to Nowhere, the show where we speak to our guests about one of their favourite directors. My name is Larry, and I hope you're doing all doing great and run up to Christmas. I'm currently missing a, a bit of a horrible cold, but we press on as usual. I recently got to chat to Aerial Power Shop. Aerial's a journalist and is part of the Ghouls magazine, as well as Heroes Scream. And we sat down and talked about all things James Wan, so by the power of editing, here's my chat with Aerial. Interesting person. His name is John. He has an inoperable frontal lobe tumor. I'm sick from the disease eating away at me inside. Sounds like our friend Jigsaw. I'm sick of people who don't appreciate their blessings. Looks like our guy likes to book himself front row seats to his own sick redeems. Hello, Mark. Paul, Amanda, Zapp, Dr. Gordon. I want to play a game. People are so ungrateful to be alive. But not you. Not anymore. Ah! Ah! Game over.
Hello, Ari. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Uh, just can you tell, me, tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, so my name's Arielle, and I um, love to think about horror, write about horror, talk about horror all the time. So um, I write for Ghouls Magazine. I'm a senior contributor there, and I am also their administrative assistant. And I've written for other, other publications like Moving Pictures Film Club and Hear Us Scream and Certified Forgotten. And um, I'm kind of a podcast tourist, so I just kind of go around and talk about horror on whatever podcasts will have me. Um, so you can just find me on all corners of the internet talking about horror. What can I first kind of go into a little bit is about the kind of early movie memories and how you came to find film? Yeah. Well, I think, so two of my earliest movie memories. Um, one is Lady and the Tramp. Okay, well. <laughs> yes. Um, my mom tells me that I watched that movie on repeat when I was really little. I would just play it over and over again. And I kind of do remember that. Um but a more vivid early movie memory I have is The Labyrinth. Well, And, I mean, that movie's fantastic for so many different reasons. But it was also one of the first movies I remember that scared me, but I wanted to keep watching it, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that yeah, definitely, definitely contributed to my love of horror. So with that, was that kind of your first scary sort of experience, you think, before? Or do you think that, you know, that, did you have a more kind of memorable one when it first gets kind of sort of turned on to kind of horror? You love it's it? hard to remember. Like, I don't f- remember a time in my life before horror. <laughs> um, it was always just, I mean, both my parents were horror fans and my older brother, too. Um, I've told this story before about seeing Fern Gully in the theater and being okay. really scared of the pollution monster. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> And my mom asked me, did I want to leave? And I was like, no, we have to stay, even though I was like <laughs> crying and scared. So I, I also remember watching like the Stephen King miniseries that would play on network TV, like It and The Stand. Like I was allowed to watch those because they were made for TV. Uh, but those are really scary. So, yeah, um, it's hard um, to remember what was first in that. You have sort of a kind of a favorite scary movie that you feel feel like that's like the sort of cornerstone when it comes to horror for you the sort of paramount yes definitely um the blair witch project is not only my favorite horror movie but it's my favorite movie period wow yeah and i did see it in the theaters it came out when i was 12 and so that was definitely a formative experience um but it has remained my favorite that's amazing that's i i admittedly have never seen blair witch project um, I've seen Blair Witch 2 okay. so I can't, but that's the not. Book I don't of think that's, yeah, I've seen Book of Shadows, but I don't think that's really the, the benchmark to uh, to measure that film by. Um, no. but yes, yeah, one of these kind of it's a definite blind spot as a horror fan that I've never seen that, but maybe it's just um too scared to watch it. Maybe I don't really know. Um, but yeah, that's Blair Witch Project. So that's a, a, a kind of big, it's an interesting one. I've never heard that. Um, as you know, what a lot of when people go to films, mm-hmm. it's 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 not one that people kind of normally go to but that's an awesome that's awesome um so we're gonna go on a little bit about now into your kind of pick as we obviously are we are on direct nowhere so um we're gonna like find out about 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 your pick for this this episode you can you tell me who you've picked and why yes so i picked one of my favorite directors james wan 
And I picked him because, um, I mean, I love his movies. But I also think that, like, yes, he's known for horror, and I think that is probably where he's very comfortable. But he also has quite a, like, a range of um, ability. And one of the movies I've picked to discuss today, I think, really shows that. And so yes. um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I like to highlight James Wan for not only what he does in horror, which I think is very unique. And I think he definitely mm-hmm. has a huge impact on the history of horror, um, but also for what he can do outside the genre. Yeah, he's definitely more quite well known now for obviously Insidious and Cut the Conjuring and so forth, but mm. he's obviously done Aquaman and a film we'll get, and also a film we've gonna we'll go into a little bit later on. But yeah, he seems to have kind of blanked himself in different areas now and kind of tried things out, which I think is quite an interesting thing for a director mm. to do when somebody's been so well known for making such kind of big um horror movies can jump in and make kind of bigger blockbuster films as well at the same time. I think it's quite interesting. Um so when you picked him, I was like, Well, it's an interesting one to do because and certainly when you picked the films, there was like, certainly, right, those two films, understand. This one, which I said we'll get into later on, is, is a different one, but a, a no less enjoyable one to talk about. So we're going to start your first movie, and obviously the film is most famous for, which is 2004 Saw. Someone there? I can hear you. When we look at Saw now, obviously it's a, a sort of a benchmark film, I would say, in terms of horror, especially for in Horror 2000. So I think it's sort of guided um, films going forward. How do you feel about Saw now, looking kind of looking back? I've sort of re- I imagine you rewatched it for, for, for this. Um, well, it's no secret that I'm a huge fan of the entire franchise, but especially the first film, I think it really does hold up even Mm. almost 20 years later, um, the amount of work 
and like thought and care that went into Saw, even though it had a low budget, even though it was kind of like it was two filmmakers straight out of school making their first feature film. You can almost feel how nervous they are about, is this going to work? And and they really put everything in it. I think that still holds up today. I mean, it has an aesthetic of a different time. And um, I I think if it were like remade or something, it would be pretty different now today. But Mm -hmm. I think when you understand its place in horror history and you understand where it came from, I mean, I think it's a hugely important piece of the genre. And I think it's still... You know, it's a movie I can watch and enjoy. It doesn't feel like I'm doing homework when I rewatch it. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun still. Yeah. And so, can I dare go a little bit about the plot if you've not seen it before? Is, so, it came out in 2004. This is James Wan's first ever film, uh, apart yes. from uh, Stygian. He did it was a kind of little short, I think, I think he did. And he also did a short for Saw as well, I believe. Yes. IDB. Um, Carrie Ulls, of who everybody knows from The Princess Bride. And liar, liar. Um, Lee Wanell, the writer of Saw, was actually got to be kind of starring roles. So obviously, him and Carrios are, are kind of kidnapped, kind of chained to these pipes in a sort of weird sort of dungeon. Um, I was looking at a warehouse kind of looking place by an unknown assailant, essentially, and they're kind of made to do various tasks as we sort of flash back and forward about different ways of how they were kidnapped and their lives, and a little bit more about the killer's sort of MO with traps. This sort of came towards the early two thousands. I thought, I suppose, it set the present for those kind of those kind of films, films that are kind of like the Collector. Um, you know, obviously the, the various um, million saw films we've had since then. Um, obviously, is is very well known for the traps, especially, but also the biggest thing I take away people take away from is is the sort of reveal at the end, now, which we won't spoil um, for anybody who's not seen a twenty year old movie. Um, how do you think that that holds up nowadays in terms of review? Was when you first watched first watched it, were you completely taken aback by the reveal? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know that I should have seen it come. Like, I had no yeah. idea to even be thinking about that because there's so much more going on throughout the film that you're not really thinking about the thing that later gets revealed. Um, it's something where it still works for me now. Like, even yeah. though I know it's coming, it still really, really works, which I think means that it's good writing and it's good filmmaking that I still get affected by it watching it now. And um, the reveal comes during a piece of music that yeah. is really important in the film that I really like. And whenever I hear that music, I start to get like a fluttery heart feeling. Like mm-hmm, I get really mm-hmm, excited okay. that the reveal's coming. So yeah, it absolutely still works for me. Do you, uh, do you, have, you said you, you mentioned you have a big love for the whole franchise. Yes. Um, and some, I have something I've, I've watched all of them now, apart from Spiral, I think so far, which I'll definitely get, I'll definitely get to, but where do you think Saw, Saw, the first Saw ranks within those ones now? Knowing that if you look at the franchise on the whole, um, it's hard for me to put anything above the original. Yeah. The original is always going to be at the top for me. I Because it, it set the foundation for the rest of them. And I think it's like 
the the franchise i have a lot of fun with it but it gets really far away from the first movie mm. and the first movie is really something special that can stand on its own whereas other movies in the franchise sort of need one another um yeah. to make sense and it wasn't meant to be a franchise it was just you know meant to be this one movie but then it was really successful so sequels mm -hmm. got greenlit mm -hmm. so i think it just it stands on its own in a really special way and it holds up the rest of the franchise in a really special way so i'm always going to put saw at the top yeah definitely i was i would agree i would agree uh, i've got a lot of love for um for the second one i've said when i got to see in the cinema so it's only when i got to mm -hmm. see in the cinema in fact um but i have a lot of love for saw i think it's Still, one of these sort of almost masterpieces in in terms of early two thousand horror. Do you think it its impact still uh, is still felt today in terms of <clears throat> horror now and the the so called elevated? I'm using many years here. Elevated horror. Do you think that it do you think it's still still much of a product of its time, or do you think that there's there's still you still feel as like there's things that that will be as an influence here in 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 horror now? Yeah. Um. I do think that there's an influence in a couple of ways. So, um, number one, I think James Wan and Lee Wanell really lived the dream of film students, where they made a short film, it was popular at festivals, it got picked up to be a feature, and then it became a billion-dollar franchise, right? Like that just doesn't happen to everybody, mm. or even absolutely, most yeah, of course, yeah, people, yeah. So, um, I think it can inspire student like like uh film students um and i think it can really inspire independent filmmaking and low budget filmmaking hmm. james wan and lee wanell were inspired by the blair witch project they wanted to make a high impact low budget film mm -hmm. and that's what they did do so i think there's that influence um i also think i mean they've both james wan and lee wanell have gone on to be really successful filmmakers but especially James Wan, like his influence, he got his start with Saw and he has just been a part of the genre since then. Mm. You know, Saw kicked off this or it was part of kicking off this 2000s era of, of nasty, gr scuzzy, yes. gritty filmmaking, which I love. <laughs> But then in 2013, he gave us The Conjuring, which kicked off basically the Marvel Cinematic Universe of horror films. Yes, yes, absolutely. Extremely successful. <laughs> and then he shows up, you know, the other, like last year and goes, here's Malignant. Here's something totally crazy and off the yes, wall. Yes, yes, yes. And now I feel like horror is going in that direction. So just the fact that James Wan is so successful and gets to do the things he wants to do gives us a ton of influence in horror. So. It might not be direct, like, oh, you can draw a line from Saw to, you know, whatever A24 film is coming out next year. But I do mm -hmm. think the influence is there. Yeah. And speaking of Malignant, I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I thought that was amazing. It was just Which so, one? like, Malignant, I thought Malignant oh, was yeah. such a fun movie. It was, as someone who really loves, I think, like, Reanimator and From Beyond, the sort of Charles Band stuff, it really felt like that, really over the top and stupid and... Uh, especially the kind of low, the second half of it when um, she breaks out the jail, the prison. It's, it's I, I think it's, it's spectacular. I um, agree. I think it just it's 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 a right amount of like because it's it's very kind of scary and sort of graphic, but also very daft and very very eighties, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. So I thought after you know the, the films he brought out, kind of Conjuring and Insidious, which are quite 
quite kind of quite serious films, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was kind of like a sort of breath of fresh air, and I hope that he does more stuff like that. I think that that would be kind of he's sort of a guy that I've started to kind of follow in terms of because I, I like really like Aquaman as well. So um, yeah, I, I thought I think he's doing really really good. Yeah, so I think I think that's that kind of kind of covers covers saw really. Um, we're gonna go on to your next pick. Um, which is a film I have never seen before. This is obviously a very a first time watch for me, and it's two thousand seven's Dead Silence. Jamie, Jamie. There's an old ghost story around here about a woman named Mary Shaw. The ventriloquist who lost her voice. Back when I was a boy, the little boy went missing. There was only ever one suspect, Mary Shaw. She was murdered. The men cut out her tongue. And this town has been plagued by death ever since. Families found without their tongues. She was buried with her doll collection. The children, as she called them. Somebody dug them up. All 100 of them. They came back. They didn't stay dead. Kind of our first kind of question is when we look obviously Insidious and Conjuring so forth, what made you pick this one as your next sort of go to? Yeah. So Dead Silence came out in two thousand seven. It was the next movie James Wan directed after Saw. So it's kind of in this middle ground before he gets super successful franchises going. Um, and Saw's still going, but he's not involved in it anymore. So Dead Silence is kind of this like sort of middle ground where it's like, what was James Wan up to? Hmm. And it didn't get a lot of love at the time. I love this movie, but it didn't do very well. And I think it's because like, it wasn't like the other films coming out at the time, but we weren't really ready for like that smaller kind of familial horror that we later got in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe it just didn't come out at the right time. Um, I love talking about this film, especially Malignant has gotten a lot of attention. And I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yes, And I think Dead Silence has a lot in common with Malignant it would be a great double bill with Malignant. I think you can sort of see the line between like how Dead Silence goes as a story and how Malignant goes as a story. There's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. there. 
Yeah. So I wanted to talk about it to put it out there for people who maybe haven't seen it, who like James Wan. Otherwise, if you have a strong opinion about Malignant either way, you might have a strong opinion about Dead Silence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to give it some attention to, I think it's a really fun movie. Yeah, I've I've, I've really enjoyed it. It was actually generally quite quite creepy and quite scary in moments. I felt felt like I sat watching up here in my in my room and just uh, in my kind of office here, and I did feel find myself like kind of jumping and like it's it's very um, it's quite it's different to it's it's very different to Saw um, in terms of it's it's less psychological. It's very I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's a daft movie. I would say it's very like very two, early two thousands. Very, if you don't like puppets, I don't think you should, <laughs> should watch this movie. Um, if you don't like yes. um, quite kind of graphic gore, um, there are bits yeah. of that where where you see people's getting tongues. If you don't like tongues as well, I wouldn't really watch this movie. Um, because it's very very <laughs> very tongue heavy. Yeah. Um. Uh. Very sort of. But it's, I can see in terms of the actual um. The kind of women in it, Mary Shaw. She sort of reminds me of the kind of what we'd see later on with James Wan. You, would you agree that kind of he's sort of kind of quite ethereal, um, but very sort of creepy looking, toothy women that he seems to be quite yes. known for, and the kind of conjuring and, and definitely insidious. These sort of quite quite kind of horrific monsters and quite 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 um, I would say quite kind of icon- almost iconic looking creatures, mm-hmm. creature makeup. So, um. If you don't, if again, if you've not seen it before, uh, it's a film with Ryan Quantin, plays a guy called Jamie, um, who gets delivered a little sort of angelica's dummy, and the dummy comes to life and kills his wife, and basically goes back to his kind of home hometown and tries to find out the mystery of why this little dummy is um, killed his wife and what other kind of secret lie in store. I thought he was Ryan Quantin. I've recently seen him on. Inglorious, which is on Shudder, which I really liked. It's an interesting little sort of little kind of um, funny little kind of weird sort of horror movie, kind of cosmic horror movie, which I really enjoyed. Um, we got kind of Donnie Wahlberg there again, but it's mostly kind of car- mostly quite kind of unknown people apart from um, because of the director and of the kind of prison in Shawshank Redemption, which who shows up in a kind of quite a creepy way at the end. <laughs> so you picked this movie over kind of Insidious and the Conjuring. Why do you think that the James Wan is so so attracted to kind of ghost stories and so telling these sort of these kind of cre- creepy kind of supernatural stories. Yeah, um, his directorial style—he's really good at building tension, like with regular, like in a home, like a regular home, or with mm. regular objects. The way he uses—and I, I know there's other people involved, but like in his movies, the use of sound is Mm -hmm. really big and sound and dead silence is really important. And so Mm -hmm. he can take a home with, you know, a tea kettle and uh, rain outside and a drippy sink and turn it into a really scary, tense scene. And so I think that lends itself really well to a ghost story or to Mm -hmm. a supernatural Mm -hmm. type story. Um, He's also really good at like hiding things in shadow and, Um, doing things where you're watching, you're watching, you're watching, and then something changes. So there's a scene mm-hmm. early in the movie where um, 
you're they're focused on the ventriloquist dummy and then someone steps in front of it and when they step away the dummy's facing the camera so yes. just like really regular settings can become really scary in the hands of james wan and i think he's just a master at that yeah i think i think that this like this is definitely one that i would i would if i look at his kind of career in the whole in terms of scary movies this is probably one of my favorite ones up there with saw now i just thought it was really really fun it's very kind of it's very much what i'm looking for in terms of in terms of film and uh i love um toys come to life i've oh yeah a great life for love for child's play demon toys puppet master i think they're the and the sort of um the pantheon of uh evil toys i think this one's definitely up there How, how would you feel about that I totally agree. I mean, James Wan loves a creepy puppet, right? Like even on Instagram, his handle is creepy puppet. Um, he, so in the movie saw the puppet that rides the tricycle is called Billy the puppet. And in dead silence, there's a totally separate ventriloquist dummy. Who's also named Billy. Yes. And so I want to know who's named Billy who hurt James Wan, where he's naming yeah. all his creepy puppets after yeah. him. Who hurt you, James Wan? Yeah, let's find Billy and let's 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 bring him to justice. I think seriously, um, he has, and, or, or maybe just like the word Billy, name Billy. Just like I hate the word name Billy. It's going to be every bad person. I think is going to be called Billy from now on. Yeah, I think I think again. Yeah, I do really like this film, and I hope that hopefully this from this podcast is, it, it springs you to go and watch this movie and check out because it does have some very very scary moments and very very kind of creepy mm-hmm. tense moments. Even when the moments when you think. I know what's going to happen here, especially the bit that I liked under the sort of the eaves of the, the funeral home, mm-hmm. and um, he just he just kind of pops out, and it's, it's, it's I think it's what's scary, um, I, but yeah, definitely check it out. I think it's it's awesome, and I think it's one of these kind of films that you add on to your your favorite horror movies in the future. Okay, so we're going to move on to <laughs> the most interesting of your picks, um, <laughs> and, the, and your, your final pick. Can you tell me the last one you've picked? I'll let you introduce this thing. Yes. So I picked Furious 7, which is the seventh installment in the Fast and the Furious franchise, mm-hmm. directed by James Wan, which came out in 2015. All right, let's get to work. Hey, Rome, are you freaking out? No. Yes, you are. <laughs> Can somebody just walk me through what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> Justin, you didn't think you could get any better, huh? Here we go. Remember Owen Shaw? 
This is Big Bad Brother. We're being hunted. One last ride. Get, 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 get low when the whistle goes. Now we talk. question is why fear is why? seven <laughs> um okay well also i'm a big fan of the fast and the furious franchise as well okay. so okay. i like well, to cool. just find excuses to talk about it um <laughs> i love silly action movies and fast and the furious delivers on that yes but you know compared to saw and dead silence furious seven is a really really different movie right yeah and both with Saw and Dead Silence, those were James Wan's babies. I mean, mm-hmm. written with Lee Whannell, scored by the same person, Charlie Clauser, like mm-hmm. small productions where he had a lot of control. Yeah. Furious 7, he's coming into, you know, the seventh installment in a franchise that he's never been a part of before. These are established characters. These are storylines that are in motion. Mm -hmm. Um, Famous actors with big egos like The Rock and Vin Diesel. And I think, like, it's my favorite of the whole franchise, and it's widely regarded to be one of the best. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's such a testament to James Wan because he came in and took something that wasn't his at all and made it an excellent movie for the fans of the franchise and for people outside of the franchise. Um, And, you know, we have to mention too, that this is the movie where Paul Walker tragically passed away during the filming of the movie. So that is a horrible tragedy. And no matter who would have been the director would have had to figure out what to do, how to, keep things moving forward Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. in that case in this case it was james Wan, and you know i know there was lots of lots of people involved in figuring out how to make the movie go forward but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. james Wan, as the director had to rally the cast and figure out a way to not only honor this person and honor his life and be respectful to his family but also Mm -hmm. to finish making a good movie and they absolutely nail it 100%. Oh, yes. And whatever you think of the rest of the franchise, like this movie is an achievement. So mm. I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I've, uh, I'll kind of briefly kind of touch on my sort of um, yes, please. Fast and Furious uh, expertise. I've seen the first, second, and the third. Yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen up to Tokyo Drift. And I've seen bits of five. Um, I love nothing more as we've talked about before about certain other things happening to ourselves um i don't love nothing more than cheesy action i think it's amazing i love car chases i love bullets flying everywhere i think it's amazing in terms of in films of course um yeah. but <laughs> the fast and furious has always been something that i've never really dipped into and i've always been meaning to so when you kind of picked this movie i was like quite surprised first of all that we weren't going to go through the whole kind of pantheon of different horror movies that James Wan has done because you know people when you talk about James Wan they're going to be the 
wins people go to. Um, especially things like Insidious and obviously definitely we saw. Um, I always thought that would be the most. So when I kind of booted up um, Fat Fury 7, instantly from the minute Jason Statham sitting in a hospital bed, giving all the cockney plus that he always does, he's known for, I was like, I'm all in in this movie. This is like, this is from the minute, not only am I in, all in, I need to know more. I need to know yes. every. I need to watch them all now. So yes. that's giving my, my my next deep deep dive. I think uh, I definitely need to watch them. Um, I'm obviously coming in in a, the, in a awkward position because I'm sort of having to pick up bits and bits and bits and bobs uh, of the plot. But I'll kind of go over a little bit what it's about. Obviously, Jason Statham seeking revenge for uh, his brother who's been tragically killed by Dominic and his team, um, and sets out to try and. Seek his revenge in only the way Jason Tatum knows how to do. Being very bold, very English, and very, very, <laughs> I kick, very brutally kicking people. Um, <laughs> I've I've got a love love for Jason Tatum. I love the transport oh, yeah. movies. I love the Expendables. Uh, I think he's a sort of an unsung hero of action, especially when it comes to these sort of films. Um, he's sort of a modern action star. I think really in terms of when you look at him, especially in Expendable movies, he's very much a a focal point. I think he stands quite toe to toe with Stallone and Arnie and Willis and uh, even guys like Jet Li, which is kind of mm-hmm. had quite a lot of quite a few couple of films based. Um, but I just thought it was an, um, an amazing movie. It's it's so well made, and it, you always had to remind yourself that the guy that made Saw made this movie. Yeah, is making is 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 you know is his division to make these amazing car chases and quite planned out almost A team style. Um, plots, I suppose. Um, just very, very interesting, and I just think it's. I just, I just think it's just one of these films I, I kind of feel bad about not sort of neglecting, I suppose, in a way, just because of such interesting, interesting movies. So you say you've watched all the ones. Have you, have you kind of kept up? Where did you, where did you come and what was your sort of introduction to the Fast franchise? Yeah. So, um. I saw the first three when they came out in theaters. I was like a young teenager and I was like, oh, cars are awesome. I didn't know <laughs> cars are awesome. Yeah. And then um, and then I kind of fell off them. I don't really know why I just did. Mm-hmm. And earlier this year, I had to have um, a medical procedure earlier in the year that had me laid out for about a week. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to catch up on all the Fast and the Furious movies <laughs> I haven't seen. So it's been very, very recent, like a matter of months that I've mm-hmm. fallen in love with this franchise. But I've already watched them all multiple yeah. times. I haven't watched Hobbs and Shaw mm-hmm. just because I know that one is more of a spinoff. And I really yeah. love Dominic Toretto and the family. And yeah. they're not in that one as much. So I, I do need to watch Hobbs and Shaw. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, I just think they're so much fun. I For me, like the eighth one is my least favorite. Okay. But I give it a pass because I think they had to find, that was the one where they had to find their feet right after Paul Walker mm, for the mm, first mm. time. They had to figure out how to do it without him. Yeah. Um, but pretty much like the whole franchise has a lot of fun and they don't let, you know, plot get in the way of a great movie. <laughs> no, no, that's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's more about the action rather than the plot and i think that yeah that's something you can sort of enjoy about the films i think mm-hmm. not seeing the films that, I've, that i have seen you know, the fast fast franchise this one the plot is 
to be to be frank, wafer thin, but it's it kind of makes up for that. And just being there's a lot of times when I feel like I was very very um, enthusiastic, very excited, and very like I couldn't stop laughing at bits because there's some very very cheesy lines. Yes. Vin Diesel is in <laughs> grunty one liner form this whole way through this movie. We've we talked a little bit on Twitter about um the thing about Street Fighter says the street always wins. Yes. Um my favourite was it's not always about being fast. Uh, which <laughs> is so which good. is quite which I felt was she needed to be like or furious. Could have added on to me that that would have been like peak to me. Um yes. do you have a do you have a favourite in the franchise? Is it this one? Is it is it seven or yeah, I I love the seventh one. Um that's the one I've I've rewatched the most times. So Yeah, yeah. I think this is definitely ones I need to find out about and I'm very interested in why Han died and um I know the Han obviously spoiler alert of the Han does come back. Um or ha- is coming back. I don't know if he has come back now, is coming back, I'm not sure. That's something that I will I'll find out my adventure, I'm sure. Um where would you like to see them go next? There's quite a lot of talk on <laughs> online about them talk going into space, and you know we talked a little bit in, in the movie. There's all about like they sort of hint a little bit about like cars can't fly, um, which is <laughs> which is very interesting because it sort of picks up on a lot of bit in the film. But yeah, do you think that's do you think it's like it's to go but wild in the future with with Fast Twelve, isn't it? I think when they come coming out soon. Um, it's uh the tenth one's coming out next year, the same yeah. year as Saw Ten. So Wow, that's interesting. That's an interesting one. Wow. I'm hoping for a crossover event. I hope Jigsaw wow. gets Dominic Toretto. I'm just kidding, <laughs> I hope. Um You know, every good franchise has to go to space. Yes. Agreed. And Agreed. um the Fast and the Furious franchise, you know, I I, I think they deliver on that. I won't say much more, but every good franchise does have to go to space. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm, really agree. like, I hate to say this because it sounds so shallow, but like, I don't even care what they do next. Like mm-hmm. every Fast and the Furious movie, to me, it's like, I love the characters. I love the characters being themselves. I love the relationships and the friendships. Mm-hmm. And they're always chasing some kind of a MacGuffin. Yes. And figuring out some way to do it more wild than the last time. So I don't care what the MacGuffin is that they're chasing. No, no. As long as they give me the family (laughs) and they end the movie at a barbecue drinking Coronas, I don't care what happens in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I I have to say this. This movie is kind of filled with sort of, um, I I think this, much like the Expendables, it's it's kind of going on to that kind of ridiculous way and bringing in as many kind of new people as they can. Some you've got, you know, you've got Gal Gadot there, you've had, you've got Tyrese, you've got Ludacris, you've got, you know, The Rock now, you've got John Cena, mm-hmm. um, Ronda Rousey, you've got Tony Jaa, which which I was amazing. I didn't think I'd ever want to see Paul Walker and Tony Jaa fight, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've, got, I've, got to see, I've got to see Om back versus Paul Walker, standing tall, which <laughs> uh, is amazing. Standing tall, sorry, that's a rock movie. I apologise. Running scared, there we go. That's another Paul Walker movie. How do you? Ah, th- okay. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, that's another, uh, my pan fear of, of of knowing um Paul Walker movies that are a bit not great with apart from all these other Fast Fury movies. How do you think they sort of they handled kind of the 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 death of Paul Walker? I thought there's a there's sort of a sort of kind of quite a beautiful kind of ending sort of montage with which I thought was quite quite actually quite kind of I felt the sort of heave in my in my chest of like oh cry, yeah. don't cry don't cry 
uh, <laughs> even like even not knowing these films as well as maybe you have, I still felt quite emotional. How did you feel about after watching all these movies and coming to that part in, in Seven? It's so emotional. Um, and I'm not a big crier at movies. It just, mm. I don't watch a lot of movies that make me feel that way. But this movie makes me like fight back some tears. Um, I don't, I don't uh, know if it's a spoiler to say, but like you think throughout the whole movie, how are they going to kill him off? Mm. Yes, because yeah. you know, Paul Walker has passed away in real life. And so you think, okay, they're going to kill the the character Brian O'Connor mm-hmm, and there's mm-hmm. so many times in the movie where he could have died. Yes. And they don't. They just end it with he's going into retirement to be a dad. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. that was that was so beautiful to me. Like that was more respectful than anything else they could have done mm-hmm, to just mm-hmm. oh, oh and that scene at the end where he's driving off and the music is playing, I'm just like, mm. ooh, yeah. is someone chopping onions? Because <laughs> my eyes are someone's tearing make, up. Someone's making a lasagna next door. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, because, it, like you said yourself, they, they sort of almost kind of tease it a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of throughout the movie, you go, well, this is obviously where he dies. Yeah. When he's been chased down by Tony Ja, when he's been, he's on the, on the bus, kind of crashes, you think that's going to, you're almost sort of like, yeah. okay, this is what it happens, but it doesn't. It sort of, sort of quite honour him quite well. At the end of the movie, and yeah. obviously, every everybody's seen this sort of, you know, when they pull up together that that moment where it's, I think it's his brother that's that's in the car and yeah. they've sort of super sort of deep faked his face. Mm-hmm. But I think they just get one like one sort of like bit of him smiling and that's it. But I thought it was it's quite well done. It's quite interesting and. I think it's, it's sort of the testament they were like, right, well, rather than like do the sort of cheap cheap exit of him where they yeah. get, get shot and that's sort of maybe maybe a little bit, what's the word I'm looking at, disrespectful for him to like kill him off because he's now has passed away. They sort of give him the sort of hero ending of like, like I'm going to leave you guys going off to do your own thing and yeah. um, you kind of get that more of them sitting them on the beach and saying you're not going to go and say goodbye, but they do have this sort of like unsaid thing which is quite quite uh, quite emotional, and it does then have this big montage where you know it's all it's Paul Walker through all the different movies, and yeah, it's like quite quite poignant, and it leaves me with like, well, okay, you've left now, you left this big as a hole. Um, how are they going to deal with it now? So I'm, I'm interested to kind of watch on and um even watch back to see how the sort of how the family uh, was created. Um, I first think it's a kind of uns. It does get a lot of unfair flack, um, and it's seen as quite a macho sort of thing, which I, which I suppose it is. It is quite a macho franchise, but there is some things that, like like yourself, you know, that you brings you to it, and this there's, there's fun for everyone. It's they're just proper fun kind of popcorn movies, much like the Marvel movies. I think that yeah. sort of way, and they're becoming that sort of way now. That's there's almost like a kind of a multiverse, like Tokyo Drift and stuff as well. So it's quite interesting. You have these kind of like you've got your sort of <laughs> Your kind of uh, Nick Nick um, Nick Fury's coming in. You've got your little sort of Ant Man cameos, essentially, um, <laughs> and having guys in it and people coming back from the dead and stuff. I just think yes. it's really, really interesting, and the bad guys turn good sometimes as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm got a kind of special question for you and a request. Can you give me your best family and your best Vin Diesel voice? <laughs> I do. I don't know. <laughs> um, I want you to try. I want you to give me your best family. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good line of his to do. 
Yeah, do, yeah, yeah. Give me one. If I can do it without laughing. Now look away. I look away. <laughs> oh, okay. I've got it. <laughs> okay, here we go. I promise. I don't have friends. I have family. Yes, amazing. Thank you very much. That's awesome. You got to do one too now, though, because that's <clears throat> you got to do it. Okay. Family. <laughs> Okay, yours is very good. <laughs> I can't get my voice that low. <laughs> uh, it's not always about being first. Uh, that's, 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 that's Stallone. That's Stallone doing Vin Diesel doing Lego. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. that's the Fast and Furious 7. Uh, check it if you haven't. Check out all of them. I said, yes. I am going to do it. Right, so we're just sort of winding down now. I've got sort of a, a kind of seasonal question for you. Come up to Christmas, you know, you know, it's nearly a, a month left of getting a Christmas shopping in, everything's in, get a bit more festive. What is your Christmas wish for 2023? So should I give you like a a peace on earth type answer? Or should I give you a selfish nah, answer? No, no, no. Selfish answer. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> My Christmas wish for 2023 would be to um, get a copy of a movie called Puppet Killer. Okay. So, Especially for you, Larry, since you said you love toys that come to life. Yes, I do love them. Yes. There is a Christmas horror comedy from, I believe, 2019 called Puppet Killer that I got a screener for to review for Ghouls Magazine last year or maybe mm-hmm. the year before. And, or yeah, last year. And it is hilarious. Like, I was crying laughing. And I think you can buy a digital version of it in the UK, or at least you could for a while. But uh, you've never been able to buy a physical version, and you've never been able to buy a digital version in the U.S. Well, okay. So all I want for Christmas is to own a copy of Puppet Killer so that I can show this movie to people and give it the love it deserves. So legally seek out Puppet Killer if you can get your hands on it legally. and help me wish it into existence. Okay, I'm going to I'm I'm sending thoughts off to Santa Claus that you get Puppet Killer for <laughs> digital, not digital. Physical Christmas. Thank um, you. Let's let's find it. If Papa Killer directors, if you're there listening to us, obviously you are. Please give her, please give her a physical copy of it. I'm sure that one exists. Um, <laughs> so just before we go and finish off, uh, I'd like you to introduce your, and we're going to play off a little bit. Um, what is your musical pick for to end on, please? Yes. So I picked the the song Hello Zep, which is the Saw franchise theme song. And I picked this because every time I hear this music, I get excited. It has such an effect on me that I thought it was the only appropriate music to play me off. Excellent. Uh, okay. So again, thank you very much, Ari, for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ari underscore Hellraiser. And I'll post all my writing there. Um, you can also find me on Letterboxd at the same name. Lovely, thank you. Uh, well, thank you much for coming on and I hope you have a good Christmas. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.